Hello and welcome into the Gotta Be Saints podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Gotta. Join me each week as I tackle life's most important question, how do I become a saint? Today's podcast is titled, Just Say Yes. I have with me today, Taylor Fielder. Taylor, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So to give you guys at home just a little context of how we got here, um, I'll let Taylor share about herself um, during this during this conversation. But I had a account that followed my page back in December um, that kind of said you should be looking at her content. And I think, as Taylor would say, most of her content is geared more towards women. I'm not wrong in saying that, right? No. Okay. Um, but but I would say that it is very relevant uh, to men also, and. Just looking through your page, I've been, as I've told you, very inspired. I think it's great. And um, one of the things that I can say is it seems that Taylor's uh, normal and also loves the Lord. So (laughs) in the world, but not of the world, uh, which is a beautiful, beautiful testament uh, to to you and I'm sure to to your parents um, Mm -hmm. who raised you. But it's a great opportunity today to to have you on and just to speak about just saying yes, because I think for so many people, um, that's actually a really hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to share with you guys just her little paragraph. She sent me her bio, and I will, of course, um, in the podcast episode, connect her whole bio, also connect your, uh, your page, which Thank is you. Candid Communion, yes. uh, which if anyone's listening to this, make sure you go and give her a follow. Uh, But this is something that I I thought was really, really great. So I'm just going to share it with you. So these are Taylor's words, not mine. Um, (laughs) But she says, we open Instagram and are often told what to buy, how to dress, what to eat, what our body should look like, what we should believe, what love is supposed to look like. It's easy to scroll and sometimes forget that our identity is in Christ and him alone. Candid communion was created to affirm you, encourage you and show you that there are others like you. I'm not a biblical scholar and I don't do everything perfectly, but I love our faith and want you and others to know that we can follow Christ today just as we are. He's waiting for us. I love that, Um, especially just that last line. He's waiting for us. He is. As we we speak about just saying yes, um, you know, that's a a great thing to focus on, but, um, you know, also the fact that you, you talk about, you know, what it's supposed to look like, you know, as, as somebody who runs a social media page and is on social media a lot. Yes. You know, Love I'm, your page. I'm, thank you. I'm seeing lots of things all the time that are telling me all of these things that you're addressing. And yet what we need to get at the heart of is what does God want from us and right. how can we be the people we're called to be or uh, more specifically, how can we be saints? So I want to begin by giving you the floor. And just kind of sharing your story, however much you want to share, and then we can get into some questions as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, why are it, and even we'll talk later, I guess we can answer why even we're talking about just say yes, but okay. um, it's all you. Yeah, thanks. Um, thanks again for having me. I'm excited. I wish I had a crazy conversion story to share with you. Um, I'm pretty, it's pretty basic. I grew up in a Catholic family. I'm a cradle Catholic. My mom's side was Catholic. My dad was not. He converted 
the year I was confirmed actually. So 20 years into my parents' marriage. Um, so my mom was really the spiritual leader in our home. My, my dad led us, um, but my mom was the one teaching us about our faith. And I guess through that, she also taught my dad because I watched her, um, suffer and pray and fast and sleep on the floor, everything for his conversion. And it was so beautiful to be able to see that, um, as a young girl in a, in a world where, you know, that's not always the most exciting thing. So that was really, um, part of my faith upbringing, I guess, was just seeing my mom and how devout she was and how that changed my dad. So I grew up that way. Um, didn't have any Catholic friends. I was the only Catholic in our little friend group. Everyone went to the same church um, except me. And so I would say that maybe I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder um, being kind of the loner. And um, I didn't mind it, but grew up that way through high school into college. Um, I went to Texas Tech and um, I thought I would maybe find some Catholic friends there but I did not. So I joined a sorority. I worked for the football team in recruiting and operations um, and just kind of leaned on my faith to keep me straight, I guess. Not that I was always perfect, but um, that was, I guess, college was the time that I really had to be so close to Jesus. Just when you're in school alone, you feel like you're alone. Um, No one else really is around your family is not around so you can either jump ship or hold on tight so that's what I tried to do um and then I graduated came back to the Dallas Fort Worth area and I am here now and I still work in athletics um and I started Candy Communion about six months ago so awesome awesome well lots lots to unpack in that um And so like, like today's topic and thank you for sharing all that. Yeah, of um, course. It was broad, but we'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> you, you know, I, I think it's, it's funny, you know, you started by saying, you know, I don't really have much of a crazy conversion story yeah. and I, and it's, I'm the same way, you know, I come from yeah. a Catholic family and my dad, similarly to yours, you know, converted um, maybe he, he converted early on mm-hmm. um, in my parents' marriage, but you know, we, my siblings and I always look and say, well, how, how faithful were my mom and dad at the start? Cause those first eight years of marriage, they had no kids and then they had eight kids in 14 years. So ah. we were always kind of saying, well, I don't know if you guys weren't <laughs> able to have kids. I don't know if that's the case. Maybe that's it, awesome. I, I don't know. Um, but you know, similarly to one thing, and I didn't even, I, I sent Taylor questions beforehand. Um, I, I didn't, mention anything but I, I do want to ask you at some point about the the Eucharist and the fasting that you talked about with your mom. Okay. Yeah, awesome. I would but, love to. Um so anyway, we're we're talking about just saying yes. So for you, you know, you share your story and it's a a story and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but Please. it seemingly sounds like it's a story of perseverance. You know, you were sure. you had a good uh upbringing, a mom mm-hmm. who was very clearly showing you what you're called to be, um, and the importance of the faith in the Eucharist and, and fasting and whatnot. But even as a, as a kid, you know, those things are, are beautiful, but at least for most people, 
they're only understood to a certain degree. It's not necessarily right. your own. And, you right. know, it sounds like your father was at least um, open to everything yeah. or at least, you know, was encouraging you to express yourself in that regard. Right. Um, but, you know, it, it, you mentioned the loneliness, you know, even Texas mm -hmm. A&M, I, I'm sad to hear that. I've heard the Newman Center there is good, but you know, oh, Texas I guess, Tech or Texas Tech. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. Never mind. I haven't yeah. heard about Texas Tech's Newman it's Center. Okay. Texas it's okay. It's way far away from there, so it's okay. Um, so you know, I, I guess then the question is, you know, like, wh why are we talking about this, and how how does this uh, apply to to your life or your story? If is there any certain circumstances that stand out to you? Um, where the Lord just really invited you to keep saying yes, even when it was difficult and challenging. Yeah. So when I was in high school, um, I went on, it was the only retreat. And when I say I'm a loner, I, I had my friends at school, like I said, they weren't Catholic. Um, I didn't always feel like I was the closest to my friends at church just because there was a really small group of us um, and I was usually probably coming from practice or whatever. So um, I just didn't feel like I had connected to anyone there, but we had an adventure trip. Um, it was my going into my junior year of high school and my mom made me go and I didn't want to go because I don't like being away from home. I'm super tight with my family and I just, I was never the, the camper, um, anything that would take me away from my family. I didn't like it. I was a sissy, but, um, I went on this adventure trip and I was just, I probably had a really bad attitude about it. And we were driving from DFW here up to Colorado and we stopped at this convent and we probably drove 20 miles through nothing, just fields in Kansas. And then there's this little bitty convent on a hill. It was like, awesome. Like we're in the middle of nowhere. We're about to just, I don't even know what we were going to do, but I, like I said, had a bad attitude about it. Um, and I had been before when I was talking about my mom, um, she spends all her time in adoration. Um, she has a beautiful devotion to the Eucharist. And so I had seen her, I knew about adoration. I knew like she drug us there, my brothers and I. So I knew um, how beautiful it was, but I had never had my own experience so we get to this convent and they told us that we were going to go to adoration and mass. And I was like, okay, perfect. Like I know how to do this, whatever. But the second that we stepped in the room, it wasn't a chapel. It wasn't anything pretty. It was metal folding chairs and just a room with a table in the Eucharist. And the second I crossed the threshold I, it was different. It was transcending or I just, I didn't even know where I was. It was as the closest I've ever felt to heaven on earth in that moment. And I just, I couldn't keep together. I was like, whoo, where are we? Yeah, no, we're in Kansas and a bunch of cornfields, but it was the most, oh, the most beautiful. So we go in and we had adoration. And like I said, it was very moving. And then we had mass. And afterwards, there was a small group of us. There was probably only 10 of us. Um, we got to talk with the nuns and, you know, meet all of them. And 
there was one in particular who I guess had seen me during adoration and mass and knew that I was having a hard time keeping it together. And so she came up to me and she was talking to me and she was the most beautiful, radiant woman I had ever seen. And, um, I couldn't look her in the face. <laughs> like she was so holy. I could not look at her. And, um, so I, I rushed through our conversation and that was the last thing we were going to do before we left. So I rushed through our conversation and I just darted out the door. Like before everyone, I was like, <laughs> I'm getting out of here, like going back to the van. Well, she follows me and chases me. I say chases, but she is moving fast. <laughs> I was moving fast. She is moving fast, but she got into the van with me and she grabbed my face and she told me that sometimes Jesus squeezes the heart. And that's all she said. And then I just cried and she sat there with me for a little bit and then went on her way. But it was just so moving. And, um, to see how, I don't know, beautiful our faith is through others. And she was so holy. She spends all her time in front of the blessed sacrament. And I don't know, it was just, it was moving. And that was my first experience that I had on my own. And that was when I was like, you know, this is it. This is home. There's no question. Um, I don't care what you tell me. This is the truth. Game over period. So that was kind of my first, um, and only, I guess, experience that I needed to know that, that our faith was true. And from that moment on, I was just kind of like, you know, Lord, whatever you need to do, I'm yours. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I always call those, I call them four o'clock moments because of the scripture in, uh, when John, James and John are, you know, first encountering our Lord, James, you know, John's writing about his encounter and he says, it was, it was four in the afternoon, which is such a random mm-hmm. thing to mention in scripture, you know, of all the things that you could put in there. And yet the reason he puts it is because he can't forget, you know, he can't forget every little detail, which it sounds like, I, like I said, I, I never want to put words in someone else's mouth. So, no. but it sounds like, you know, that for you in a certain sense, it's that moment of encounter that you can't, yeah. you can't forget, you know, the Lord was so present to you mm-hmm. and, you know, it, yeah. it changed you. Yeah. Um, which is just beautiful. So, so from there, you know, how, where did it go from there? You said you were what, 16 or 15? Yeah, I was probably, yeah, 17. It was right before 17. my conversation. Okay. So that, so, you know, you're, you're getting close to that point of going to college mm-hmm. and now you've, you've changed, you know, it, it sounds like you, you loved the Lord beforehand, but now in a real way, like you said, you can't go back. Um, yeah. This is it. There is no so, <laughs> What does that look like for you then, um, you know, over those next couple of years, especially in college, which is such a, uh, just a time to work on self and actually come to know who you are? Yeah, um, I was very, um, going to college, I was, I think, scared because you see in movies, you know, the crazy parties and whatever. I remember they told us that we could stay in dorms that had both boys and girls. And I was like, oh my gosh, mom, where are you sending me? Like, I can't do this, which I stay in the all girls dorm, but just, I don't know that those are my ideas of college. And so I was just terrified that, um, 
I don't know. I, I didn't know where Jesus was going to be in that time in my life. And I went <laughs> and I found the church and um, spent lots of time there. But I also worked in the football department. I mentioned that that was a really big part of my college experience. I loved, um, I worked in recruiting and operations. So I loved being there, um, loved learning from the coaching staff we had there and the guys that were on campus. It was made my college experience so much fun, but, um, yeah, you had a couple decent players, right? You know, just (laughs) a few few and a a decent coach. (laughs) If you guys don't know who, you know, there's this guy named Mahomes was there then, right? He was there. Yeah. This guy named Pat Mahomes. Anyway, (laughs) keep going. Sorry. So no, it's okay. So, um, those are kind of my, I, you know, I was a coach's kid, so I grew up in a field house down here in Texas. I don't know if any, if you're not from Texas, football is its own religion here. Um, not to be sacrilegious, but it is. So, um, <laughs> All you have to um, do is drive by the local high school and see the stadiums and just yeah, to, exactly. to recognize that. Yeah. Um, so those are my people and that's kind of who in that, that's where I felt comfortable. That's my career now. So, I loved it there, but also a locker room environment um, that was kind of challenging at times, right? Like not just specifically the locker room, obviously I wasn't ever in there, but just what you have going, it's flashy, it's um, worldly, it's tempting, you know, a lot of it. And so I don't know, I think I had to be really intentional about staying close to Jesus in those times, just because there's so much that you learn in college, I guess, about the world that maybe, I don't know, you said you were one of eight. So I'm assuming that y'all spent a lot of, you know, y'all spent a lot of time at mass too. So whenever you go from being very sheltered and raised in such a Catholic home to being spit out into the world, you learn quick. You either have to hold tight to what's true or you'll just get squashed. So yep, I think exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I tried to really balance my social life, you know, and I didn't want to, and this is tricky, but I wanted to be social and, you know, go out and have fun with my girlfriends and, you know, hang with everybody. But I also wanted to make sure that I wasn't doing anything that would cause me to not be able to go sit in mass, you know? So it's a, I don't know. That's just the world we live in. So I think, um, really learning how to be in the world and not of it. Like you said earlier, I know we say that a lot, but it's so true because we are called to be in the world and we can't just go and lock ourselves in our rooms, you know, and hide. Like we have to be the world is changing rapidly. So we have to learn how to shine our light. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I guess, you know, it, I made a bunch of different questions um, to ask, you know, it, it sounds, I think for a lot of people, you know, I think one of the things that it sounds like for you that you understood from an early age is just who you were, at least to a certain extent, which I think when you're in college is going to lend you the opportunity to be freed of the, uh, 
I guess, the stumbles, at least in a drastic sense. You know, it doesn't mean you yeah. don't, you know, have struggles and whatnot, but, um, you know, I, I can look at my college experience and I can look at others and even my own siblings. You know, I have always had a great understanding of who I am. So, you know, when the time came for college and like that first month of, okay, I went to a very Catholic school and yet yes. the the same things, at least to a certain extent that are at every other college were there, you know, the drinking yeah. and the whatever. <laughs> and I was able to, maybe because I was so sheltered, you know, I was yeah. able to look at it and be like, no, I'm not going to go get mm-hmm. drunk and hook up with people. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. but, you know, at the same time, I watched enough people around me do at least some of that. I mean, fortunately, at least the group of people at the company I kept in college was, yeah. was great. You know, I, so important. I, yeah. Oh, so uh, important. You know, good company or bad company corrupts good morals. Like every time reality yeah. is it's, it's so important. Um, but you know, it, there was a freedom that I felt and I'm sure you can, you can speak to that too. You know, yeah. we're talking about saying yes. Um, do you think, you know, that the question I want to ask is why is, is saying yes to his plan um, to, to saying yes to all the things that he's asking of you, which also in turn in college and actually just the same in adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, why is that saying yes to those things, but also saying no to some other things? Why is that so free? Do you think? Um, I think because it takes the pressure off of us to make those decisions. Like if I understand what we're called to do and how we're called to live as, as Catholics, then I don't have to worry about deciding in the moment what to do. Cause I already know it's already been decided for me. Right and wrong has already been written. Um, it's not up to me to make those decisions and I can just blame it on, blame it on him, honestly. Like when we were growing up, my parents would always tell us, you know, if you don't want to do something or whatever, blame, blame your mom and I, and we'll come get you or whatever. Like, just say we said no, whatever. But I feel like the same situation applies with our faith is like, we, and I think once we get comfortable enough with this, it becomes habitual. But the reason we say no, or the reason we operate the way that we do is not because I, Taylor, decided this is, you know, I didn't write the script. I didn't write the rules. So I can just blame it on him, <laughs> throw it back at them. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And, you know, I think the beauty about truth and um, following those, you know, the script, as you said, you know, that God has put before us is, it is freeing and it ends up putting us in a place of so much more happiness and joy than we would ever experience or peace. Um, Cause even in the turmoil, right. Um, even in those moments where, you know, maybe making those decisions to say no to X, Y, Z, um, you know, maybe you're left feeling lonely or whatever. And yet there's still a peace of mind um, that comes with that. That can't be, I don't think it can be, shoved off or, or forgotten right. because it's so important and it it really does have a, a lasting effect on us and and once we experience it 
You yeah. can't, you really can't go back. I mean, you can, you can turn away from it, but you know, once you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I agree. Um, is there any specific moments in your life where you felt God really just called you to trust him more? I mean, to, to give you uh, just a little bit of context, you know, most of the people who listen to this are, you know, probably close, close to our age. You're, you're 27 or 28, right? Mm-hmm. 27. 27. Okay. Yeah. Same age as give me. Give me that year. <laughs> uh, 93. Great, great year. Best of the best. Um, but you know, for a lot of the people who listen to this, they're around the same age. Um, and yet I think there's still very much, you know, this question of Lord, what do you want from me? And especially in our, our generation today, you know, I think I can look at my parents and they were married at what, 22, 23. And that was yeah. the, um, the normal thing. And I, and I've come from a very Catholic school. So I have a lot of friends that are, are married, but I also have friends that are unemployed right now and have no clue what they want to do. Yeah. And so, you know, in this day and age where clarity seems to be so far present, um, you know, are there any moments in your life where you felt like things were a little foggy and yet God was sitting there, right? You know, saying, Taylor, just trust in me. Mm. Yeah, there have been a few, I think. Um, I think the most recent and honestly has just been with candid communion. Um, Cause all of that kind of, it kind of started during the pandemic. And I think that, you know, they say that with saints, they didn't think, right. They just reacted and did the next right thing or took the first step or took the second step. And then the Lord kind of pushed them wherever they needed to go. But um when I first kind of, which I loved, this might be an unpopular opinion, but quarantine, I enjoyed the fact that I was able to be still for the first time in seemingly, I guess, a long time. I don't, I can only speak for myself, but. Hot uh, take. Quarantine was good. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. But we, you know, our, um, we had no games going on. I wasn't, um, answering my work phone every minute. So it was nice to just be still. And, um, when I, when I kind of first started praying about this, I'm not, it took my biggest insecurities, which is genuinely social media. Like if you ask my, my girlfriends or whatever, um, I don't, I don't do it well. Like my, I don't like to take pictures. Um, I don't like being on the spot in, in that kind of way. So it, it's an insecurity of mine. It just is. Um, mm-hmm. I took my biggest insecurity and then what I love the most and what I have tried to hold tight to for so long and kind of, I hate to say it, but it's true is kind of make sure that everyone stays away from my little like relationship I have with Jesus because it's the most important thing to me. And I feel like it's something that I've worked the hardest on. So to let someone into that, um, was seemingly really terrifying just to know that other people could have an opinion or other people could see it and 
um, comment on it or I don't know, tell me I wasn't doing it right. You know what I mean? Like, so it took both of those things and put them together. Mm. And I was like, wait, what? You know, no, because if someone actually, one of my friends told me about a month before um, I started candy communion was like, yeah, you're definitely not um, your evangelization is not your strong suit. And I was like, you're right. Cause I, it wasn't, I was very um, closed off. Like I said, I was a loner. I was happy that way. I didn't, I'm a very competitive person. Right. So growing up when you have people telling you you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Um, you know, come here and I'll, I'll show you the right way, knowing what we have as Catholics and knowing that this is the way, right. And it just, it is what it is. So that created this kind of chip. And, um, so like I said, I was like, you know, if you don't want it, like if you are going to just constantly, I don't want, (laughs) I don't want to share it with you. So in all of that, in all of my pride, because <laughs> that's essentially what it was, right? Like, I don't, I just, I wanted to keep it to myself. So mm. through all of that, um, the Lord was there and asking me, I guess, to, to open up a little bit and let some other people in, which is, again, like I said, the most terrifying thing to me. Hmm. Well, I can say from, you know, <laughs> I, from just looking at your page and whatnot, I know I don't, I don't know you personally, but, um, you know, even in our, in our short times of chatting as well, you know, I think it, I, I'm a little shocked by that comment. I'm not (laughs) saying it wasn't true, but I feel like you've done a very good job of presenting the faith in a way that any person, no matter if they're, you know, a deep devout Catholic or, Mm -hmm if they're not even really Christian could at least come and, and feel welcome, but not in a, not in a way that is, um, you know, what is your truth type of way of like, you know, relativism, but more in a way of (laughs) this is, this is truth. And yet I'm willing to meet anyone where they're at. And just, this is my story. This is how the Lord has worked in my life, which I think that's, you know, that's all God's going to call you to, yeah. me to, is to share our story and how he's been at work. And then in that, he'll do the rest. I yeah, mean, totally. and so you said you started it just a couple of months ago. I mean, you've seen seemingly, you know, a lot of yeah. growth. And I mean, is I'm sure it's, uh, it's taken on its own little Mm. Uh, plan that you might not have seen. Am, am I right in saying that or no, you're so is this right. what you expected? No, not at all. Um, every time I think like, oh yes, I'll go this way. Total opposite happens. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that's, that's what you wanted. But um, yeah, it's been really inspiring to see other people's faith. Like the people that I'm able to connect with every day, like their faith inspires me so much and is um, grown my faith. And I didn't realize, I knew we were made for community, but I didn't realize how much we need it and mm-hmm. how those seeds are planted. The Lord will water them and yeah. they will grow. So that's been the biggest, the biggest surprise, I guess, and blessing all in one. 
Yeah, well, it's beautiful. Well, I will cut it off there for episode okay. one. I think that's a perfect uh, way to kind of conclude is, you know, if you're listening to this, um, you know, you've gotten to hear some of Taylor's story, which is beautiful. And, um, you know, the community folks, if you're listening to this, I every single day I'm getting messages from people, and you probably are as well. Uh, my My messages are littered with comments about thanking this page that I run for um, posting content, but also for having a Catholic um, community, especially during COVID, you know, absolutely. and I'm sure you're, you're in a similar boat. And I think, you know, it's a beautiful reminder that when our community is based around him, we can flourish, but, you know, you even see it with the, the apostles, what happens the second our Lord goes uh, and ascends to heaven, you know, they run and hide. And they spend nine days, you know, just kind of shuddered away from the world in fear. And then, of course, when the Holy Spirit comes, the advocate, you know, they're, they're inspired and they have the courage. So to anyone listening, remember that uh, you can pray to the Holy Spirit. He will uh, fill you. But also, you know, that community is there and just uh, go look for it either in your church communities. But if not, even online, I think we're in a great uh, time period mm-hmm. in in our church's history where communities even easier to find in ways yeah. that are brand new. Um, and, you know, I think you and I can give testimony to that. Absolutely. But thank you for, for this episode one. And we'll yeah. be uh, back again for a second episode. Awesome. Um, but have a great day, listeners, and God bless.